I recently read about a story where some Christians went to this big New Age psychic festival in order to offer prayer ministry for anyone there who might be interested in receiving some prayer. It was one of the biggest festivals of its kind, with row after row after row of all sorts of booths that were selling all sorts of occult merchandise and services, crystals and palm readings, herbs and other materials used in various forms of witchcraft, all of those things that we should never play around with or open ourselves up to in any way because they can be gateways to demonic activity in our lives. But these Christians came to this festival for a very specific and holy purpose, to offer prayers for anyone who is willing to be prayed with. And at some point, a woman approached their booth, and she knew they were Christian. She came up to them with this huge pentagram on her chest and announced proudly and defiantly, I am a witch. I'm a witch. The Christian only smiled, and he replied calmly, Okay, would you like me to pray for you? Would you like me to pray for you? And she looked back very confused, and with an eyebrow raised, she said, But I said that I am a witch. And he responded undaunted, Well, I'd still like to pray for you. The look on her face then shifted. And with visible confusion now, she asked, But aren't you afraid of me? Are you not afraid of me? And the Christian smiled back and said, No, in fact, I love to pray for witches. I've been asking the Lord to send me some witches, my way, for me to pray for them. And amazingly, right there in the middle of this this New Age festival, the woman allows this this man to pray over her and he prays this beautiful prayer and I'll share it with you. He said, Father, love her. Lavish your love on her. Show her the reality of how much you love her. He then began to get the sense that this woman needed some different kinds of prayers. Prayers specifically for healing in her back. She'd been in some sort of car accident. And so he asked her if he could pray for that. And she agreed. And then to her shock, something started to happen in her back. And by the end of that prayer, her back pain was totally relieved. It was gone. And she looked at this this man in disbelief. But I'm a witch. Why would God want to heal a witch? And he only replied, God doesn't see you as a witch. He sees you as someone that he loves very much. And he wants you to know that you can have a relationship with him. At that, she suddenly exclaimed, just kind of, she kind of freaked out. She said, I got to get out of here. I need to leave right now. This is a bad place. And she left that, that festival right then and there. And she left her booth filled with all of her crystals and stuff, unattended and totally abandoned. I share this story with you this morning, not because it's, it's very close to Halloween. I'm not talking about witches for that reason. I'm, I'm sharing this story to make a simple point for you. Jesus does not avoid people because of their sins. Jesus does not avoid people because of their sins. In fact, quite the contrary, 
he seems to be magnetized to public sinners and people in less than perfect situations. He runs straight toward them, even if they try very hard sometimes to disqualify themselves or avoid him. We saw this in action in our gospel today, right? Zacchaeus was a public sinner. He was one of those dreaded tax collectors, the chief tax collector we hear. He was a scumbag, a total scumbag. Everybody knew of his shady dealings with the Romans, the way that he always cheated his neighbors out of their money. And so they avoided him like the plague. They looked down on him, not just because he was short. No, they thought that they were better than him, and so they kept their distance from him. They wanted nothing to do with that guy. But in comes Jesus, right? He, he means to go through this town of Jericho, but he's willing to be interrupted, and he chooses to treat Zacchaeus totally differently. He looks up into that tree that, that Zacchaeus climbed, and he looks him right in the eye, and he says, come down quickly, for today I must stay at your house. Zacchaeus could have responded like that witch did, but I'm a tax collector. Aren't you afraid of me? Aren't you disgusted by my very presence? Won't my sinfulness somehow infect you, Jesus? Why would you want to eat with a tax collector? That's what the crowd was thinking, right? We hear that they start to grumble when Jesus says this. They're shocked. They're jealous even. How dare Jesus eat with that guy? Doesn't he know that, that you're supposed to avoid people like Zacchaeus? But Jesus doesn't care. Come down quickly, he says. It's as if Jesus is telling this wayward son, Zacchaeus, I'm here for you too. You may have climbed up into that tree just to catch a glimpse of me from very far away, Maybe you took that, that back row pew to kind of keep your distance, to lay low. But I want you to have an up-close and personal encounter with me. I want to lavish my love upon you. Somehow, Jesus is able to cut straight through all of that scandal, all of that judgment, and all of that condemnation in order to give this man Zacchaeus a chance to repent, to change his ways for the good. It's like what we heard in that first reading from the Book of Wisdom today. Lord, you have mercy on all because you can do all things and you overlook people's sins. Why? That they may repent. We have to remember that part too, right? God overlooks our sins. Not so that we can go on sinning, but that we might repent. And boy, does Zacchaeus repent. Behold, half of my possessions, Lord, I shall give to the poor. And if I have extorted anything from anyone, I shall repay it four times over. Zacchaeus pounces on that chance to change his direction in life, to turn away from the sin that before he thought he was trapped in. And then Jesus ratifies his repentance. Today, salvation has come to this house because this man too is a descendant of Abraham. For the Son of Man, I have come to seek 
and to save what was lost. Jesus does not avoid people because of their sins. So what about us? Do we have the same mindset of Jesus? Do we, as the church, treat public sinners the way that Jesus did? Are we magnetized to them? Or do we avoid them instead? Are we running away from the people that Jesus is running towards? This is not about excusing people of their wrongdoing. This has absolutely nothing to do with affirming actions and beliefs that we should not ever agree with or ever celebrate. Let me be perfectly clear, okay? Work with me here. When it comes to questions surrounding really kind of important things, things like human sexuality, the radiant beauty of marriage as God himself designed it, the sanctity of life, the image of God imprinted on our beings, on our bodies as male or female, the proper conditions for receiving the most holy Eucharist in a state of grace. All of those truths are basic, and they are fundamental to being Catholic. We believe that the church that Jesus founded, he founded that on rock, not on sand. We can't shift around with every passing puff of wind from the culture around us. Jesus gave St. Peter the keys to the kingdom, and those keys are solid, and yes, even a little bit rigid, because they can actually open up a door. They can open up the door for us to eternal life. But still, we have to constantly be asking ourselves, do we as a church, as the body of Christ, as his presence in the world, do we avoid sinners? Would we rather avoid and ignore all of those witches, whatever form those might take, rather than offer to pray with them and for them? Are we kind of content if they just stay up that tree and stay away from us? If so, then we need to repent. We need to turn to Jesus, and we need to pray to him and ask, Lord, teach us to have your mind. Give us your heart for the lost. Help us think like heaven thinks. The famous words of Pope St. John Paul II come to mind here. We are not the sum of our weaknesses and failures. We're the sum of the Father's love for us and our real capacity to become the image of his son, Jesus. It's really important for all of us to remember. You are not defined by your sins. You are not defined by your mistakes. You're defined by the love of God. And when we live by that truth and that identity then we can finally begin to walk in the freedom and the holiness that Jesus has won for us. We can repent, leaving our old self-created identities behind us, and we can then embrace who we really are in God's loving sight. We can allow ourselves to be finally found by our Savior who came to seek and to save the lost. So if, if somewhere in your heart 
you still think that Jesus is avoiding you because of your sin. I just want to say yet again, no. No, he's not avoiding you. He will never avoid you. If you feel invisible, if you look around and think, wow, St. Bede is such a huge church. I feel lonely, small, short in stature, unwelcome, and a little bit unseen. Then please know that Jesus sees you up in that tree. He knows what you are struggling with. And he invites you to come down. And if you will allow him, he wants to have dinner with you today. He wants to come into that most intimate place in your heart. And he wants to empower you to stand up in freedom, to say no to evil and yes to him. He wants to make you worthy to come at last into God's presence and be with him forever. He wants to make you a saint. Jesus does not avoid sinners. He loves sinners. He came to seek them out. And we, the church, need to do the same. And so, confident in that, that love of God for all of us, for all of us sinners, we come to the Eucharist today and we lift it up in hope and trust that Jesus will seek and save all who are wandering, all who are lost.